Do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always am I the winner. Yeah, <laughs> not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like RoboCop versus Terminator, and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts, or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. Welcome back to your favorite G.I. Joe podcast show. We are talking season five. That means G.I. Joe Extreme, the most extreme G.I. Joe you will ever see on the planet. Last time we talked to Buzz Dixon about episode one of Summoning of Heroes. But before we get to any further, we've got some very exciting things happening on this episode. This is Knowing is Half the Podcast, and I am Ray Stacanus. I'm Robert Clark Chan. I'm Gina Ippolito. And we are joined by a very special guest here. She is X-Men, the animated series, animation royalty. I think that is a fair <gasps> statement to make. We are joined. I like that. We I are don't care joined- if it is or isn't. I like it. I accept it. Therefore, it is. <laughs> we are joined by one of the two minds behind X-Men, the animated series, one of the greatest cartoon series, I'll say it, in the yep. history of animation. I don't think anybody disagrees. Julia Lewald, you are with us here to talk about G.I. Joe Extreme. Welcome to Knowing is Half the Podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so very much for uh, reaching out to me about this because, boy, G.I. Joe. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Julia, I have to tell you that I rewatch all of X-Men, the animated series. I have it on DVD. I rewatch it about every other year. Start to finish uh, because it is one of my top five favorite shows of all time. That is that is high praise indeed, and thank you for that. Um, and and what whatever uh, smallish role I got to play in that, it's just the fact that we're talking about it now, nearly thirty years later, is astonishing to me. It's astonishing. It's now streaming, it, I think on uh, Chan. You probably know what streaming service is it? HBO? Question no, mark. Yeah, yeah. Disney Plus. Yeah, I think it's on Disney okay, Plus. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I so I will be doing another rewatch again. <laughs> <laughs> no, Gina, you know, can, can you mix this into your MCU rewatch? Can you just mix in? Oh, yeah, you know, it's time. It's time. <laughs> my, my, not that I'm in any position to have any complaints about anything, but uh, there, there have been some issues with uh, the, the, the order of episodes. Oh, yes. On dis- yes. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, I, going back to good old X-Men, the animated series, there were issues in actual airing order back then because, <laughs> woo, animation was um, uh, a lot of balls that juggling in the air all at once. And yes. sometimes they didn't all make it back in time. I but remember, yeah, it, it, I remember it, re- one, one of my rewatches, there was, because it's supposed to start, I think, with Night of the Sentinels, part one and yes. two. 
mm-hmm. and and in some rewatches, for some reason, that's like the third or fourth episode they show. Uh, and I yeah, don't that, know why, but but it, but that's why I'm happy I have the DVDs because I think the DVDs are in the proper order, or at least closer, more yeah. accurate. I understand <laughs> that they're still even if you're watching them just like hit next, hit next on Disney Plus. I think I hate to say it, I think the Phoenix Saga is out of order, oh. which is like that's you know you don't go one, four, two, three. I mean that you know no, <laughs> you know, someone someone needs to get that fixed out. I mean um, it, it was a bold choice to have episode one of season one be the Dark Phoenix. Uh, I really <laughs> think you know, it was a strange it, choice. It was groundbreaking then. It's groundbreaking today. You know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, now we exactly. we for this show we watched the Pride of the X Men, the the original <gasps> pilot, what from nineteen eighty nine. Now you weren't a part of that, were you? No, no, was not, okay. but got to. But several folks who worked on that one did end up working on uh, X Men: The Animated Series, and part of it is if Pride of the X Men hadn't happened, there are a lot of things that could have really gone wrong with X Men: The Animated Series that could have happened. But people who'd worked on Pride of the X Men, who'd put their heart and souls into this, but who were getting stomped on by the higher ups at that sure. point where they were. You know, you. I'm sure if you haven't heard the story, I can tell you now. Uh, We'd love to hear it. That um, the reason that uh, if you watch Pride of the X Men, um, Wolverine is say it with me, folks, Australian. Australian. <laughs> and you go, well, that's an interesting choice. He's Wolverine's Canadian, but someone made the choice to make him Australian. And the folks who worked on it, uh, what happened was the biggest movie in the country. Ah, Crocodile Dundee. You know where I'm going with this. Crocodile Dundee. And there was a person in the higher-ups at that place who said, hey, it's a huge hit. Kids don't know from Canadian and Australian. Make them Australian. (laughs) That's how those kinds of decisions get made uh, when you have people who, who perhaps shouldn't be. In those positions, but, 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 so the folks who got to then move on from Pride of the X-Men that didn't get picked up onto X-Men, the animated series, they had a real fire in their belly to not let that kind of call get made as, as it tends to happen constantly. It, you know, any, any TV production, any production, you got a lot of warm bodies, you know, uh, trying to make everything come together. But after Pride of the X-Men, the folks who were working on X-Men, the animated series, drew their own lines in the sand then and said, we went down swinging once before. We're not going to do that again. And that's why I think we're talking about it 30 years later, positively. Nice. Absolutely. A hundred percent true. Now, is there a movie that was so big in its moment that has been more utterly forgotten than Crocodile Dundee? I like Crocodile Dundee. (laughs) Nobody's talking about Crocodile. People maybe will say that's not a knife. That's a knife, but they won't even know where that's from at this point. You ask any Gen Z about Crocodile Dundee, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what that is. It was was huge. huge, Again, it, it, it deserves the recognition of being as huge a uh, 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 cultural event as it was yeah. in the eighties. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it was amazing. And again, it's, you know, here we are near 20, you know, uh, what, what would be a cultural event today that could catch the imagination of as many people, you know, uh, per person or uh, as many people 
in a percentile as something like the Crocodile Dundee I've, I've movie got the back in the 80s. I've got it. Oh, the answer is the Baby Shark YouTube video. That's oh, going to be the fighting of this you era. Shut your mouth. <laughs> you don't you don't compare Baby Shark to Crocodile Dundee. There's I would like say probably a trillion sequels. more people saw Baby Shark than saw Crocodile Gina. Dundee. No, you, there's Gina. like three sequels to Crocodile Dundee. You, you shut your mouth. You don't have a child. You don't understand. <laughs> but you don't know. That's the thing. There you go. If you guys were in charge of the next X-Men animated series, one of you might say, we need a shark. We need a <laughs> shark. Sharks are huge. That's how King Shark got yeah. into the Suicide Squad movie, I assume. Uh, <laughs> oh, let no. us not question. Let us assume. Yeah, oh, there's going to be a baby shark joke in that movie. Guaranteed, oh, no. oh, guaranteed. No. There's a baby shark. Somebody's going to say King Shark, do 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 do, and and the internet will explode. No, they already did. It. They already did it on Ted Lasso with Jamie Tart. <gasps> do do yes, do do. Jamie, you're making my point for me. Baby Shark is the cultural touchstone of the year 2020. You shut Wow, boy. But there, but there, there you go. It's like, how do you catch the imagination of a whole group of people? Uh, if you, if you knew, you know, we, if we could all put lightning in the bottle, we'd do it every time we tried to create yeah. something. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the the folks at Marvel didn't think that uh, Australian Wolverine was a deal because he was Canadian. But you had other people in charge of that Pride of the X Men, and there you go, <laughs> make him Australian. Yeah, yeah. You end up with some. You end up with some weird stuff when people who have no appreciation for the source material are the ones who are allowed to pull the trigger on decisions. We've they seen that getting, over and over again on this show. They were just mm-hmm. getting ready for Hugh Jackman twenty years later. Oh, from your lips! <laughs> okay. Wow. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but you know, that's one of those beautiful, you know, uh, the, the circle of life right there. We we got a, a an Australian playing a Canadian who was. The Canadian played by an Aus- playing Australian. I mean, come on! It just—it's—it's. It's, it was meant to be. It was meant to be. Would Hugh Jackman ever do a Crocodile Dundee reboot? <gasps> oh, you know. Boy. By the way, okay, Gina, back me up. Wasn't there a Crocodile Dundee uh, fourth episode that came out this last year under quarantine, and none of us oh. saw it because it wasn't anywhere? Yeah, it was like it Netflix is, or yeah. something. Yes. Oh wow! He went, yeah. He, he, I, yeah, there's, there you go. there's been a, maybe, yeah, because there, there's been a, yes. there's been a lot of them. The original was 1986, uh-huh. and then there was number two, and then there was there was a third one which didn't have what's her face in it, but but still had right. Paul, <laughs> still had Paul Hogan. It didn't have Linda Kozlowski because they had gotten together in real life and then had broken up, and mm-hmm. I I don't think she really acted anymore. Uh, and then, and then let's see what there was, there was, there were at least three, I think there might've been four. And I think, I think you're right that there was like some some sort of, uh, sometime in the last year and a half, the very, the very excellent Mr. Dundee. Okay. Okay. Oh boy. Oh, Olivia Newton-John's in it. And John Cleese and Chevy Chase. Wow, this movie? Uh, that's that's oh, a recipe for my success. God, they're rebooting <laughs> oh, everything. My God, that's this a is, that's wow. a recipe for success, and that's why Ray should shut his mouth. Uh, Gina, I'm gonna ask a question. Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> I can 
if I pull a two-minute Baby Shark video and all the people who ever watched this new Crocodile Dundee movie, which one do you think will be a higher number? You can't you can't compare something that you was cannot. a quality you movie to like you a, a, a one-minute okay, on. YouTube video. No, no, no. Like, and in G- hey, no, let's go back technology-wise. If I wanted to see Crocodile Dundee, I either had to own a VHS machine or go pay money in a movie theater. Yes, yes. That Baby Shark, you can lift up your phone and Baby Shark is in your ear. Yeah. <laughs> it's, baby it's Shark not- is everywhere not the same thing especially because yes. content is not consumed the same way nowadays there you go. so if there you adjust you for an if you adjust for viewing inflation viewing ray inflation. Ooh, viewing inflation i like that uh the, the, it, the, it's it's you know you just everyone knows baby shark because it was an earworm that got stuck in their their heads but 10 years from now, people will be like, remember that one really annoying internet video? And people will be like, oh, the cat that plays the piano? And they'll be like, no, the other one. And it'll be like, oh, uh, uh, you know, the David after dentist. And I'll be like, no, it was the other one had a song in it. Oh, uh, Chocolate Rain? No, not Chocolate Rain. And finally, someone will settle on Baby Shark. But uh, The Simpsons parodied crocodile dundee in at least three of their episodes so i think we have a winner here yep i stand with gina on this thank you well i'm glad it was decided uh so appropriately let's talk about wait wait i'm also gonna say i'm also gonna say ray out of the four of us two people on this podcast write for tv and you and Chan aren't the two of them, so I think you should. Oh, I think oh, you should concede oh, to the oh. women on this. Oh, Good so heaven. this is why you're so jealous of the success of Baby Shark. <laughs> now it makes sense. <laughs> Sorry, Julia, go ahead. No, if I could ride a baby shark and make a penny off a of baby shark, I think we'd all be doing that yeah, right now, wouldn't we? <laughs> all I'm going to say is that uh, uh, 15 years from now. You all are just going to uh, be, you know, sitting around and like maybe if you if you do a th- if you like try to, you can go and watch Crocodile Dundee. You will make an effort, a conscious effort. Whereas I am going to be sitting down, um, you know, ten thirty at night or whether it's kind of dark, and I'm just like uh, maybe about to drift off to sleep, and then very quietly because there is a small stuffed animal with a little chip inside and if you accidentally knock it it's gonna start going (laughs) no no i'm not gonna do anything but it will be there and it will haunt me to the end of my days because i have had to buy many many baby shark products for a child who uh desperately desires them jan those will be sold at a garage sale 10 years prior well, then let's talk a little bit about G.I. Joe Extreme, <laughs> since we're here and all. What the heck? Now, uh, this episode is called Serious Legwork, and we got treated, treated is the proper word here, treated to a live action intro for the second episode. Again. I hope that this is every episode yeah, of G.I. Joe I, Extreme. I, I like the live action that. intro. I didn't realize. I thought that the the previous episode, I thought it was a pilot only thing, that yep, it was a, that they had a live action intro. And I gotta say, I was excited to see it this time, even though the first time, the first episode, it was jarring and I wasn't sure if I was watching the correct thing. This episode, I knew what was going on and I was kind of into it, especially because it, it wasn't a throwaway. It ties into the fact that she that made a broker leg. Uh, yeah. I adore 
your optimism because when I first saw it, I was like, oh, no, we're going to have two straight seasons of this nonsense. Oh, um, I love it. I uh, love it. Although I will say that it turns out she like wakes up and that was all a dream. So I'm like, oh, my God, they have established well, that live action is is dreaming <laughs> in this world. OK, I'm weirdly on board with it now. No, they 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 acted like see, I had the same thought, Sham, except that she woke up. She's like, oh, what a terrible dream I had. But then her leg was still broken, which means yeah. she was just having a, a, a nightmare about the event that actually occurred. Yeah, it was like a hallucination. You, you know how like when you have a fever and like everything seems all weird, but it was like sort of real, kind of like it happened. And then you wake up and it's just like that. She's got COVID is what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I'm on. I am on board with it. I I kind of want to see because they they gave her a very uh, you know as sketch comedians the the outfit that she's wearing in the live action <laughs> version is very like a sketch show like live action sketch show <laughs> like they got the yeah. wig and they got the costume and that is definitely something that I would put together the if floppy I was doing shoulder a sketch pads. Show. <laughs> I'm on now, board. I'm on board. Julia, what did they, so they told you there'd be a live action sequence that you had to sort of broker into this thing? What can we do to kind of try and set this show apart from another, you know, everyone was sort of tossing ideas, you know, against the wall and computer, you know, CGI, computer generated graphics were, were crazy expensive back then. But the idea, if we can do an ultra low budget um, live action intro, that will, set us apart right you know that'll catch people's attention in in an arena where it's typically just animated show uh we'll toss in this front end bit (laughs) which um yeah i i i can't remember any of the details about how how slash where that might have gotten produced the live action bits but yeah as as the anime as the writer of the episode uh even even if I go back in the sands of time and find that I got to write those those bits for that episode, um, I'm sure it was kind of off book, you know, <laughs> no no guilds involved. No, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, okay, fine. Yeah. No, yeah. It, it, it has a what I really like about it is because this is 1995 and it feels just like the opening cutscenes of Resident Evil, the yeah. PlayStation video game where they where they're all running around outside the mansion getting eaten by the dogs and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, if, yeah. if you guys remember this thing. Yeah. And, and so it's so it, it, it feels a little kind of like off-putting because it's so different than what you're going to see inside the video game, just like what's different what you're going to see inside the uh, the the cartoon but like mm-hmm. the soul just feels the same to me of just like we don't have a lot of money we're just yeah. gonna try to catch some cool shots and then we're just gonna wedge it into this other property and so and every time i see one of those i'm taken back to like one year later they did this with the resident evil games maybe i don't know they were inspired by gi joe extreme <laughs> and they said it worked here and it's gonna work here that's what i'm convinced thank you uh julia for Resident Evil, the video game series, you should take full credit for it because you clearly inspired it. I will take complete. I will take complete credit for that. I will take. Is Jill Valentine Resident Evil yes, or is she, she Silent is. Hill? Nope. That's well, it. there you go. Jill Valentine being in one of the iterations, voiced by Allison Court, 
who in my world voiced Jubilee in X-Men the Animated Series, Boom. what goes it's a giant circle. It just keeps it's Australian, Canadian, Canadian, Australian. We just keep, <laughs> the snake just keeps chewing its own tail. There and, we go. And what just came out last year, the Resident Evil 3 remake starring Jill Valentine. So it's <gasps> it's still going on right now. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There it is. So uh, we yep, open up with a, now the, the one female character of the entire uh, <laughs> series is Mayday. And so yeah. th- this is a Mayday heavy episode. And I'll be honest, the show is better for it. That's uh, that's why I liked this. I I I liked this whole girl power episode. Uh, and and also it had a little home alone type element to it, which sure. I dug. <laughs> there you go. Yes. It, uh, uh, it's a salute to many of the great classics. Yes. Um, <laughs> now, I, I think, um, Ray, you and I may have had this conversation. I know Eric and I have had it. Uh, with others in the past about X-Men by default. Uh, it was not a conscious, you have to have X amount of females and X amount of men on the team. It's just who, you know, who, which characters happen to have the best powers that were the most, that were the most different from each other. Right. Uh, and it, it, it happened to split 50, 50 and the women frankly had the cooler powers. Oh, I, yeah. I, that's me. But then you, so many other shows I've worked on uh, before and since it's you've got you have your squad and a girl you've got your squad and the assumption is they will all be men and then you you can have a female character uh, that's I that's kind of what was happening here with GI Joe and Mayday was it yeah that's it absolutely it's all you get now even original GI Joe you know you had a whole litany of female characters with Scarlet Lady J uh-huh. uh, Cover Girl Zorana the Baroness you know there's a whole crew that you could pick from and so it was a little bit surprising in this particular iteration I guess Deke era GI Joe didn't do a very good job with it either quite frankly but uh, I... here in Extreme they you know you have one but at least she's a badass at least we have that I'll tell you, I think one of the challenges was, and it's, it, you know, you hate to hear it, but uh, in the in the efforts to sell merchandise, in the ability to sell action figures, in the ability to get kids into stores to buy things, uh, there was a prevailing uh, sentiment that boys will, you know, bo- girls will buy boy and girl figures, boys will buy boys. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. I, again, I as, as myself a female and as as a mother and uh, as a former kid, it's like maybe maybe it's the older people kind of putting that on the kids mm-hmm. each generation, mm-hmm. you know, um, uh, which is hopefully we're kind of lightening up on that. But I I I know there are shows, and I think this is I suspect that here too that having more female characters just wouldn't be in the cards because how are you going to sell? Lady Scarlet. I mean, what what is she going? What how is she going to look on on hanging from? What is what is she going to? What's her big power that or her big ability mm-hmm. versus any of the Joes who you know uh, guns, knives, rifles, that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, thankfully, all of this has been. With- uh, oh, uh, yeah, this is in keeping with because uh, my brother and I, when we were little, my brother's three years older. When we played together, we played uh, He-Man with He-Man figures and with Star Wars figures. And when I played by myself, it was Barbie dolls and Rose Petal Place figures, which he didn't okay. play with. So, so this was accurate to us. But I, I think, I think nowadays they know. Although I don't know, Chan, when we went to get a uh, Powerpuff Girls Happy Meals a few years ago. 
which was right around the time that I had written an episode for them. And they and that, right after it came out, we went to McDonald's and said, can we get a Happy Meal? And they said, do you want a girl's toy or a boy's toy? And we all that thought that was stuck in my craw. We all thought that was strange to be doing in like 2016 or something. It doesn't happen as yeah. often in Los Angeles, <laughs> but um, it does, and it happens way more uh, other places. So ugh. yeah, no, I'd like to say thankfully we've been able to kick out of that, and that's why there were so many Ray figures from the new Star Wars that we were able to buy. Uh huh. Oh. <laughs> and 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 tons of Black Widow figures also. <laughs> you can't you can't not find Black Widow. Fi- oh jeez. Oh no. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we're we're still marching up that hill. We're still dragging that chain. It's like yeah, yeah. But anyway, May Day. <laughs> we like May Day. You know, May Day was awesome because she basically argued against, if I remember this correctly, in the first episode, the pilot, she sort of argued against uh, personal tokenism, being like, I'm not here because I'm a woman. I'm a woman who deserves to be here. And then when Sergeant Savage continued to throw misogynist crap at her, she beat the crap out of him. So, I mean, we, this made me happy in the moment and said, yeah. hey. Here we go. We're, we're, we're getting somewhere. And I will say yeah. also, but bu- the buzz episodes of of Sunbow era, he was always good about that kind of stuff, because yeah. even when we he, like his episodes were the ones that sort of passed the Bechdel test the most often. <laughs> and it's not easy to do. I mean, it's it, you think it's a kid's cartoon on a Saturday morning or an afternoon. What is you know how you've got 22 minutes. It can't be that hard. But it is, you know, uh, you've got to get you got your action through line going. You've got to get your story told. You've got to service a large cast of characters uh, in something like G.I. Joe. I don't even have it in front of me, but how many how many Joes were there? And, you know, how many oh, yeah. it, it's a lot of characters to service. And you just got to. It's even yeah, harder. Trying, it's even yeah. harder to do when they only give you one female character to work with. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, well, yep. Mayday, uh, she's got a broken leg. It's in a full cast from the knee all the way down. So she's bedridden and having mm-hmm. a nightmare. She's pissed off because they're they're prototyping a brand new plane that was called, mm-hmm. oh, the Tiger Hawk. And so Metalhead is up there flying it around like a dummy. And she's real mad because she's the pilot driver of the G.I. Joe team in this iteration. And so she's like, I need to get out of this bed. I need to get in that plane. Metalhead's got my space. And Sergeant Savage or whoever is just like, yo, you can't. You're injured. You got to stay here at the base, work some desk duty. How about I just give you a cane to walk around with? And she literally throws the cane at him basically being like, why don't you shove this cane up your ass? And I was very happy about that. That well, brought me joy. No, what she said was, oh, yeah, thanks. I can work on my golf swing. Which is pretty great. Yeah, uh, pretty, pretty now- sassy. Pretty sassy. You, you would think uh, we wouldn't necessarily be bringing up the classics here on a conversation about G.I. Joe, but mm-hmm. I will have you know that um, that a, a, a veiled allusion to uh, what is called Chekhov's gun, the great mm. playwright, um, uh-huh. in, the 1980, in the 1889 letter that he wrote uh, to a fellow playwright, he said, one must not put a loaded rifle on the stage if no one is thinking of firing it. So it's not a loaded rifle here, but it's a cane. And we yep. will see that cane. Uh, she will find a way to use that to her uh, tactical advantage. Not like a cane, but like something else. And so there you go. Your yeah. your allusion to a great Russian dramatist there. An electricity conductor later on down there the line. There you go. Very, very intriguing. That's it. 
right there, right there. Yep, yep, yep. So we 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 now we 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 move forward into seeing our our bad guys for this episode. And really, I didn't recognize either of them. I think we're still sort of learning who these people are as we go. But the main guy we need to worry about is a guy named Inferno, who is a fire based. Not Cobra, but he's a fire-based Scar enemy because Scar so, is the yeah. bad guys here. But uh, by so the way, make... I liked I liked this. Like I, this was kind of a scary villain. Like his character design is is pretty creepy. Like you're just I saying I that because he's bald, yeah. Gina. You're just saying that because he's no. bald. I understand <laughs> where you're going yeah, with this. No, everyone I'm knows that all it. adult men who are bald are clearly messed up in the head and very frightening. Look, I know that you only have me for your frame of reference for this, so it is slightly skewed, but you're not wrong based on that information. <laughs> Excuse me, I live in a world where Patrick Stewart rules my universe. Okay, I don't know what you guys that's are true. talking about. Fair, fair, thank that's you. fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Patrick Stewart Just would play a great Inferno in the live-action G.I. Joe <laughs> Get him version. on, get him on, let's go. Uh, hey, he worked for Professor X and X-Men. Come on, the man's got the range. He's got the range. Uh I will say that this was the point where I uh, realized one of my main issues with the just the overall um, <laughs> tone feel of the of the thing, and it's the thing that um, like we watched uh, an episode of SWAT Cats at some point and uh, Street Sharks, I think, where, where you know it's the '90s, extreme everything. Everyone has those gargantuan pecs and huge, you know, triangle-shaped torsos. Biker mice from Mars. Biker mice from Mars. Same deal. Everyone is drinking, like, like pounding energy drinks nonstop. So everyone's crazy aggressive. And, like, like it's, it's really grating. But, like, with Inferno, he is super over the top. He is, like, um... Uh, uh, Jack Nicholson and Batman times 10 all of the time. And like, on the one hand, I hate it. On the other hand, we just came from two years of Deke, which was some <laughs> of the worst voice acting. And, you know, like I'm not even putting it on the, uh, the actors. It feels like the direction was just like, uh, read it as fast as you can, as quietly as you can. We're going to do one take go. So like this, at least I'm feeling something. And it's it's sometimes good, it's sometimes bad, but at least there's something there. Chan, you were already, I will say, you were already old enough to be grumpy in the 90s. Yes, uh, so I feel like that's why you don't like the whole 90s vibe, <laughs> whereas I uh, I enjoyed it. So I I like the tone shift away from Deke. I like that everyone talks like a uh, 90s skater that they're like about yeah. to do some some sweet ollies or something like, oh, yeah, let's go do this. Uh, and I will say there's less sexism in this show so far than in the, in the previous iterations. Uh, so I am into it. I can say in this one episode, which was my whole purview, <laughs> I I will concur with with Gina on that. Uh, the, 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 she was, Mayday was not a, a functionary left behind for any reason other than uh, an injury, yeah, a legit injury. Yeah, I, I will. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the fact that that it could have gone the way of oh, we don't need you, blah 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 blah. Stay behind because we don't need a girl. 
But instead, like, it's a very logical reason that she's left behind. And you get the impression that they actually want her to come. But she she very obviously can't. So I I feel like if it was an 80s version, it would have been, no, we don't need you. Stay behind and clean the place. We'll get back. It's too dangerous for a woman. And then the Mm -hmm. big lesson would be, I'm a woman. I can do it. But Mm -hmm. instead, she was always Mm -hmm. kick-ass. They know she's kick-ass. She has a freaking broken leg. And she and kicks she still ass, kick ass. <laughs> and, and they come back and they're like, yeah, all right, you, you kick some ass, even with a broken leg, as opposed to, yeah, you kick some ass, even even though you got those boobies. So uh, I, not, I, not even just the leg, but I'm reasonably sure there's a point where it looks like she has a concussion. Uh, like yeah, pre- before yeah, we even she's... get started, and like when at some point she like kind of falls in a way that like she wasn't hit, but like you could tell that her uh, equilibrium was off. I was like, oh dang, she's got a head injury too, and she's doing all this stuff. So like, yeah, for as much and- as I was like getting sick of like the aggro, like literally every- from the title. From the title song where everyone's screaming their names like they're <laughs> trying to murder someone. I'm like, Dude, Tan, I know- that's how we introduce ourselves on this podcast all the time. <laughs> I don't know if you know how Ray introduces this, but he starts out with, hey, everybody, and welcome back to G.I. Joe. So I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, no, I, I mute say- the first 15 seconds of the show before he, he didn't get going. <laughs> But I will say also, I got so used to uh, Deke cutting corners and not not moving mouths and not animating certain (laughs) things that when whenever they show Mayday actually put weight on her leg, the Mm -hmm. fact that they animate her facial expression to Mm -hmm. show pain, despite the fact that that takes extra time. I appreciate it every time and every Same. time she puts like every time she comes down on it when she stomps on the uh, remote control they animate yeah. her face to so that she winces yeah and that's something that Deke would have never done ah <laughs> uh, yeah that yeah yeah I'm not gonna argue that's yeah <laughs> you know and, and again for a for an, a low budget uh, an animated project uh, I will say they they spent the folks at Sunbow and uh, Stephanie Graziano and other folks involved in the production, there's a lot of uh, comic book style uh, shadowing and um, uh, dark line work on the characters that I, I had forgotten that they sort of paid a little more attention uh, to the to the look of the thing than than I had remembered originally, and I got to give them some props for that because that's that's also going to cost a little more money than just drawing it flat without uh, the kind of textures they were using. G.I. Joe will return after these messages. It's the incredible G.I. Joe Mobile Command Center and it's hunting for Cobra. Three levels of awesome Cobra chasing, Cobra fighting power. Level one, armed and ready to attack. Level two, computer system is go. Engine room, we have full power. Level three, missiles loaded, let's go. Prisoner secured. Go! Let's move out. Nobody beats G.I. Joe, the real American hero. Mobile Command Center comes with driver. Other figures and vehicles sold separately. Now, back to G.I. Joe. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate all of the above. Yeah. So the big bad guy's plan is he just uh, Inferno has purchased, it would seem some sort of a crack in the G.I. Joe's defense grid, which allows him to 
allows him to basically get in and turn the automated defense robots of the base against GI Joe. Am I get? I'm, I feel like that's exactly what I was watching right there. And so yeah. they they end up shooting out a distress call, sort of like far, far away. So GI Joe will leave the base, leaving behind only Mayday, which I guess wasn't part of the plan. They figured it would just Correct. be the automated. Uh, right. So they weren't figuring she would be there, but it's okay. She's just one person. And of course she's a girl. So of course right. Inferno, but Inferno doesn't bring any troops with him. He just shows up by himself with, uh, and he just says, I got all these robots. Now I'm about to stomp all over this base. So they send him out to the GI Joe goes out to the hydroelectric electric dam. And they <laughs> say they get the false. Yeah. They get the fake, fake distress signal from there. It. Yeah. And, and, and uh, may they say, may they fix the tiger Hawk, the thing we're not letting you fly. That's an extra right. leap you to her. I have to mm-hmm. imagine. <laughs> and so, well, yeah, I, I didn't see that so much. It's just the idea is like, it's a nuclear powered device and, and it's not put back together and you just go, go handle that. Mayday. It's like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, this might require a little more than one one person putting this thing back together, but yeah, yeah one mayday that's she's... plenty enough, plenty enough. Yeah, uh, so, yeah. Well, what I appreciate is as soon as the attack starts, she doesn't like do anything stupid. She just turns and says, "Yo, I'm gonna activate the the recall signal to the guys that just left, so therefore we can bring them back and we can get this thing handled." But Inferno, as part of this defense grid uh, takeover, prevented those types of mayday pardon the pun and recall signals to go out from the base. And so she's like, yo, I got to do this by myself. Here we go. Suit up. She suits up. She's like, we're doing this. She leaves the base, a uh, uh, bunkered area. Mm-hmm. And as the bad guys are blasting their way inside, and then they take the tiger Hawk right out from underneath her. She gets onto some sort of weird bike vehicle and she's roaming around the outskirts of the base and fighting these robots. Now, there's a giant canister of liquid <sighs> nitrogen. Hydrogen. Hanging by a chain just over parts of the base. So she shoots that down. It lands and des- detonates and destroys all of these killer robots. I would think that's an OSHA violation, having a large vat of liquid nitrogen loosely hydrogen. hanging above a driving area. <laughs> 1995. I do- Well, then again, the, the Joe Island is off somewhere else. It's true. It's somewhere secreted around the planet. And unfortunately, the bad guy managed to find A, where it was, and B, how to get through one one little side door of uh, bad defense there. So I don't know if OSHA had a whole lot of say in, in how things got handled there. <laughs> I'm just saying G.I. Joe should re-examine their safety practices after this particular... I know they patched up the defensive problem at the end, but maybe mm-hmm. the giant clearly marked liquid nitrogen is a... Is is is, is a debt is a detriment. <laughs> he that. hasn't heard you a single time you said it, Dan. <laughs> I know. How about uh hydrogen? Hydrite hydrogen. Don't worry about that. Look, yeah. I just know it's the thing that killed the T one thousand. That's all no. I need to know. It is also that, not that that's, either. That's uh, not, yeah. That's yeah. No, for that was that was that was uh wasn't that frozen uh ox uh whatever it was, it was a frozen Super cold. Yeah. It was Frozone uh, from The Incredibles. Everybody <laughs> knows we, this. We'll call it that. We'll call it that. <laughs> we'll call it that. Uh, yeah. I, I will say that, like, uh, like, yeah, she's getting ready to go to war and all this. And, like, great. Uh, she, she's got to take. She's like, uh, there's one of me and, like, uh, a thousand of them. Let's do this. Okay, fine. And then she just goes on a full frontal assault. Yeah. Like. She goes at him. C- commando. 
Like just uh, like no, get, she, go she, sneak there around. Are times maybe when she's sneaking like, a little bit, but yeah. But I appreciate this. I appreciate the Rambo Home Alone. Uh, <laughs> yeah, vibes. but no, both Rambo and Home Alone would have stuck to the shadows and like sniped him down one by one. This was this was like Rambo cartoon, um, or just like this is the Hangover of the eighties um, action stars. Where it's just we like, got 22 minutes to get this story told. <laughs> also, she, th- she, there are definitely parts where she is hiding and sneaking. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Uh, absolutely. Yes. She her go, yes, her go-to move is to get aggressive. And I thought that was really fun. With a cast on her leg, with a broken, busted oh, yeah. leg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the other thing I yeah. loved is she booby-trapped the door to the bunker that she was staying in. So she's like, fighting him off, fighting him off. Oh, stay away from the door to the bunker. I'm going to fight you away from there. Of course, they eventually break through because there's too many of them. They open the door and, boom, they all get blown yeah. out. Yep. Like, my goodness, these tactics are fantastic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Subtlety. Subtlety is not, a, is not part of the Joe code, I believe. <laughs> but, but I will also say i appreciate i appreciate the fact that she is both muscle and brain in in the in the things that she's doing here it's not just oh she's she's sort of ramboing them all but at some point she's like figuring crap out and and figuring exactly like it's not just oh she's she's great at fighting or oh this one's the muscle and this one's the brains she has it all no, she reinstalls a friggin' fusion engine with like yeah. a wrench. So yeah, yeah. she knows what yeah. she's doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I I I appreciate it because I feel like again, I feel like maybe if this was in, in the eighties version, it would have just been muscle. Or there would have been two people, one would have been the muscle, one would have been figuring things out, but she's doing it all herself. Yeah. Well, Which is what the thing go ahead, kind of what I'm saying is that like the uh, uh, um, aesthetic of it all, the screaming uh, rage at all times is what turns me off. But the actual show itself, all the things that are happening, all the plot points and, and again, two years of Deke where everyone is just the stupidest, <laughs> just the dumbest choice. That's the choice we're going to make. Um, like all of the choices are logical. They all make sense. All of the characters are uh, consistent and and do things based on you know uh, um, what they would do. So like like uh, um, yeah, like I am enjoying the storytelling. It's all working, and it's it's a not a weak sense of relief I'm getting when I'm like. Oh well, at least they didn't do the dumb thing. This is <laughs> this is pretty great. Well, I feel this good is the it. thing that really like drove me in this episode is because the way that we're conditioned to see how this episode is supposed to break down, based on all of the cartoons of the '80s and even the '90s, is she's just trying to hold out long enough so that the men can come and rescue her. Mm-hmm. That is that is the whole time I'm just like in my head when she's trying to send the distress call. She's trying to get a message out. She's trying to send a warning. Everything is involving the men coming to save her at the end of the day. And what I appreciated about my expectations being turned on their head is, despite the fact that all media around this in 1995 tells me that's where we're going, instead, she handles the entirety of the problem her god darn self. And that, that is where I really, at the end of it, I kept, even at the end, I'm just like, okay, well, they're going to come and finish everybody out. No. The uh, spoiler alert: the bad guys are going to lose this. (laughs) Inferno's going to run away, and after he runs away, and the base is just wrecked, that's when the Joes actually show up 
and they don't need to save her. Yeah. This princess in yeah. another castle does not need to be saved by the, the, the big strong men. And that's the part that really like hit me coming out of this episode. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but like we're, we're kind of talking about expectations. That's what really hit me. And that's what I appreciated so much about what, what, what was going on. Well, I appreciate that appreciation. That, <laughs> that's, that's very nice to hear that. Uh, it was it was fun doing that just because, uh, yeah, the, the, that in the ni- uh, 94, 95, there had been Die Hard under siege, all these great, you know, one yeah. against many uh-huh. kind of projects, big, big time. And it was fun seeing what kind of tropes we could play with in this environment of just the island just our one you know the the one joe there our gal mayday and uh yeah so that it, it was fun to to play with those things absolutely and coming off of deke era where you know if you had one broken legged female character destroying an entire cobra battalion you'd be like well that's because cobra is weak and stupid in this they got beaten by kindergartners for god's sakes in a physical altercation i'll bring up again but (laughs) here it never feels cheap i don't feel like cobra i don't feel like cobra sucks after all of this i feel like she just dominated given that she had the home field advantage knew what to do with it and Mm. was sharp enough as a character that she could pull this off i never felt like it's because cobra was weak it's because she was so strong and that's the strong dichotomy and difference of what i'm feeling between the last two seasons of what we've watched and two episodes of gi joe extreme i will say i also like the fact that when the others finally come back her sassy greeting is i redecorated (laughs) (laughs) yep yep yeah Mm -hmm. so we cut over we cut over to the show team oh wait hold on real quick sorry go ahead um fusion turbo tiger hawk fusion turbo tiger hawk comes up uh i lost count of the number of times like tiger hawk cool it's a tiger hawk i get that and i get that uh there are toys that need to be sold so whenever this thing whenever i hear the names start popping up like um uh, in very specific ways, fusion turbo tiger hawk. I'm like, oh, I see. We're this was We're going this feels it. like yeah. a note from uh, from merchandising <laughs> that like, no, no, you have to say the whole name every time. Uh, but I looked it up and it didn't get produced. It never got released. Oh, oh no! Oh, wow! All that work. Well, I guess I'll wow. get off eBay then. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we, we cut over to the Joe team. That's that is a shame, quite frankly. Uh, we cut over to the Joe team. There was a very mild attack that was put on this uh, electric electric dam, and GI Joe repels it with ease. They're just like, "Yo, this mm-hmm. is like maybe the easiest battle we've ever won. What's up with that?" Oh well, let's go home. At this point, Inferno has broken into the main bunker. He is in the core of the GI Joe base, so he feels that he has won, and correctly so. His plan has been very successful so far. He even makes the reference like, "I don't really give a crap how many of these robots that she kills. They're her robots, and I have more, <laughs> and yeah. I don't care mm-hmm. about them." So this is wonderful. I really like this. They are now setting up Inferno is to prepare the defenses of the base for G.I. Joe's return so he can ambush them as they get close. Ooh. And I'm like, yeah, let's go get them. As they come back in, I this is a plan that makes sense and is working from a competent villain. I can't express how happy that makes me. Uh, well, and is this the point also where uh, Joe's call in and, and yes. he responds using Mayday's yes. voice? Yes. Which yes. I, that, 
was was pretty darn creepy there for a split second when I was just rewatching it, going, "Oh wait a second, <laughs> okay, yeah, I've forgotten that." But that I thought was was a nice uh, nice switcheroo there, mm-hmm. and a nice reason for them to feel a little less defensive flying back home. Mayday just talked to us. Everything's cool. Oh wait, a second. yeah, but yeah, it it, ha- it happens twice, and that's what uh, that's another thing that uh, um, sort of won me over, like feeling a sense of confidence that this will be good because the first time they call in and um, it's a fake Mayday voice, I was like, oh, huh. Okay, that's that's interesting. Um, what they should have done is like asked one of those things, like, uh, uh, "Oh, hey, remember that time we went to you know uh, play tennis?" And like, oh, maybe he doesn't play tennis. And then the second time when they call in, that's exactly what he does. He's like, um, "How's your you like busted up arm?" Like, oh, fine. Your, yeah. mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh man, this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. This, is, <laughs> this is a show that is not insulting my intelligence. Yeah, I'm so happy yeah. to be here." <laughs> man. Two episodes in, I only feel like we're due for a letdown somewhere down the road. But oh, no so question. far, this is this has been fairly strong. Yeah, yeah and I've been I very mean, happy es- with it. Especially like I was, I was assuming that you know Sunbow is the best, and then Deke got so bad that I, I was like, oh no, are they all just going to get worse from Deke? And this is <laughs> this is better than Deke. Like this is well, not a step down. This is. This is Sunbow again. Like Sunbow got it back. Yeah. Now, they're not spending as much money on it this uh-huh. time around. Right. But th- mm-hmm. it is at least Sunbow who cares about at least a baseline level of quality to their yeah. product, as far as I'm concerned. But also everybody's on meth. <laughs> oh, yes, it does help. Yes. Uh, and this yeah. is where we get the great yeah. scene where Mayday comes back in. She's fighting a bunch of the robots. She kind of there's a leak. There's water on the floor. There's electricity. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, Chekhov's cane comes into play. She throws the cane to electrocute and blow up the robots. And then yep. and then she jumps up through like kind of a hole in the ceiling, if I remember this right. And then she drops a grenade down there. And I'm like, this is this is rough. This is yes. this is brutal. <laughs> and I'm here for it. I am here for it. I feel like she's yeah. really set her uh, physical therapy time back a little bit <laughs> because I'm sure the doctor told her to to keep the weight off, and this is going to add a couple weeks to her PT. Also, no throwing man. grenades. Probably. Yeah, she lands on that leg a time or two where oh. it's like, oh, man, I've, I've had it. a broken leg. That's yeah. painful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's going to hurt. That's going to hurt. I expect to be grimacing yeah. in an actual discomfort watching the show <laughs> from anything but Deke writing. That's the only thing that's made me grimace so far. <laughs> but I will say, as 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 listeners of the podcast know, I'm I'm deep in my Marvel Universe rewatch of all movies, TV shows, and uh, DVD one shots, animated series of the early nineties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, she gives me she gives me you know Melinda May vibes. Who yeah, the uh, cavalry. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, and and who fights a lot with injuries that are that are you know, and and people will often say like, "How are you even standing?" Uh, and and I dig it. So I I, I had ju- I just finished a, a good chunk of season five of Agents of Shield where she's good one. She gets like a bar right through her leg in like the first scene of the first episode <laughs> of that season, and then the rest of like the rest of the season she's just running on it with a, a bloody bandage on it, and and oh, this wow. this gives me those vibes, and I love those vibes. <laughs> All righty, into it. All righty. 
Well, this is where and this is where we have a few other parts. We get we are introduced to a broken robot, so we're trying to you know using that for a plot device. We have uh, Inferno. It says I'm going to keep throwing robots at it. Who cares? Uh, Inferno says he's waiting for a hovercraft to come pick him up, which I just all I could think of was calling mom to come home when I was like <laughs> in ninth grade. Like my hovercraft's coming, it's going to be great. No, I'm just uh, remembering then- the days when. The uh, a hovercraft, kind of like in the eighties when remote control, all you had to do is add remote oh, control okay. to something, okay. and it was like ten times more powerful. Like a hovercraft, I remember being a kid and being like, "Well, you can't beat a hovercraft. Obviously, it <laughs> hovers. This is the it most on destructive land. force in the universe." I and mean, water. that's still true. Both. That's still my attitude. <laughs> <laughs> no, you got hoverboards now, so I think that's where we're. <laughs> I think that's where we're at. No, we should no, have had hoverboards. What? We should have. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, we live in the future. I mean, everybody going looking back on this in the time capsule. We absolutely have hoverboards right now. Don't <laughs> let Chan or anybody else fool you. Hoverboards are a real thing here in the year 2021. <laughs> okay. I've screwed up the timeline. Now, my, my, I love this moment because she's kind of, now this is the kind of the skulking, hiding in the shadows portion of our combat for Mayday. And they, uh, she's trying to get the message out to the Joes again. They cut the power to the base. And what I appreciate is she isn't just like annoyed because like, oh crap, now my plan isn't good. She literally is disgusted because mm-hmm. she's like, if it was me, I would have cut the power hours ago. Yeah. I'm glad they finally <laughs> caught up with that. And I'm just like, you effing rule. You are my hero, Mayday. That is awesome. Part of part of the challenge was just trying to trying to I don't mean be smart, but yeah, yeah. What would you know? Think about it. we we've had things that have explored this. For example, Die Hard. You know where uh, part of the thing was the, the uh, cutting of the power to the to- uh, oh god, I'm going to mispronounce it, but to the building. Oh. It's like yeah, she, this this if you were having this kind of challenge, you know, she would have thought. That, the Joes would have been ready with like plan 42. Okay. So this is like plan 38 and she's there alone and she's got to execute. So, okay. Yeah. It, yeah. Cutting the power would have been first on her agenda. And I believe it's the Nakatomi Plaza. Am I? <laughs> Nakatomi <laughs> Plaza. Thank you. Everybody at Thank home you. needed to hear it. Otherwise they would have not been <laughs> yes. able to sleep tonight. Um, <laughs> yes. One of the things, what that line really brought to me though, is the GI Joe members are supposed to be highly trained special mission forces. It's right there in the GD theme song of the original series. And too often we saw everybody involved acting like buffoons who seemingly have never been trained and don't know how anything works, especially their own equipment. So when we have somebody who expresses verbally disgust over somebody being not necessarily with the good plan that would have defeated her, it made it again, it brought me joy because these are who these people are supposed to gosh darn be. Now the Joe team is returning. To be yes. fair, in the Deke years, they were recruiting 12-year-old boys to G.I. Joe. So Every other you know, episode. That is correct. It's going to be a little that lower is, bar. That is accurate. Oh, boy. So the Joes are returning to come into an ambush. We've established that. Now, Mayday needs to power up the defensive grid in order to sort of you know, stop this from happening, you know, and, and get back her robots, get do every, everything that she needs to do. So they end up... Mm-hmm. Uh, so the bad guys, I right? They steal the Tiger Hawk. The Tiger Hawk is now back again after we'd seen it before. There's a big attack that happens. She just starts going on a death spree of destroying these robots, <laughs> and uh, jo- just joy is to be had. Uh, uh, I have here landing on the Joe base. 
uh, 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 something that's happening. I forget the exact context of this, but we end up powering up so we can see the defensive numbers going up. And then it seems like Inferno has turned off the power again to prevent it. But this particular thing was an isolated power source. So yes, it starts all going up. He says, let's grab her. We got to stop this thing from happening. Now, she gets the robots back, essentially. She hangs on long enough that the defensive uh, grid, you know, uh, the problem with it has been taken care of. I don't know the science of it. I'm not a scientist, nor do I play <laughs> one on TV. But essentially, the defensive grid gets back to 100%. The robots turn back onto her side, and everything becomes voice activated. You want to talk about the future? Voice activated. That was another <laughs> part of the 90s. I would have to say besides oh, hovercraft. Yeah. If you had a voice activated hovercraft, you were the man. That's it. You yeah. own the 90s. Um, and they end up repelling the attack. Uh, but that doesn't stop Inferno because he's competent. He sets a bomb in the base to at least blow out the base, the G.I. Joe base on this island because he's not a complete moron. I just every part of this is just joy. Uh, uh, she, she ends up, uh, uh, what is this? She ends up, she's hanging from a rope and then falls from that, but she shoots a grappling hook that hangs hooks onto the rope and pulls herself back up, gets back was, control again. It was a teeny tiny grappling hook. It was wonderful. <laughs> I did not understand how that worked, but it was adorable. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay. And there you go. Inferno had to chance credit a remote control to detonate the bomb. And, and, and he ends up getting, they get into a fight. She ends up dropping it down to the bottom of this chasm. She ends up dropping because she can only get so far down with a grappling hook with the rope and also the rope itself. She ends up having to drop mm -hmm. down and she smashes it with her cast foot. And you mm -hmm. can see yes. what Chan said. You can see the pain on her face, but she makes the save to prevent complete annihilation of everything. First of all, that was that was me that said that. Thanks for giving Chan the credit, <laughs> Ray. Look, you two <laughs> sound exactly the same. I can't I make your voices not sound the same, Gina. <laughs> uh, I was the one who said, she's got two feet. Why not smash with the other foot? I understand. I get it. And and yes, I felt uh, an emotional resonance with her, uh, feeling that pain that she, uh, you know, was shooting through her foot, no doubt. But also, just use your left foot. No, because you can't put weight no. on the cast foot. Right. You, jump, also, you need you, you hop and, up and down like one one legged. No, you and also no. you can't get the you can't get the <laughs> necessary like stomping that you can. If you're, you're, if you're putting your weight yeah. on your cast foot. Uh, Speaking scientifically here, yes, as someone who's had a broken leg, <laughs> yeah, if you if you want to try and uh, – I would choose to use a, a cast yeah. just because it's more of a, a bat. You know, you've got more versus just your foot. Yeah, yeah. just would, your balance and trying to stand up straight. And, you know, I would say if we were picking yeah. a secondary title for this episode, it would definitely be Necessary Stomping. I think that, I like that. that absolutely resonates with me. I like that. Me. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, the defenses have now been totally fixed and, and, and Inferno's run away. He's been repelled and they're getting themselves back to normal. And this is where we get the great line of, you know, what is it? I redecorated the place while you guys were gone. Mm -hmm. Is that what she, is that what she said, Gina? I forget. Oh, I'm no. sorry. It wasn't me that said that. It was Chan that said God, that. I'm never going to get any of this. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Listen. I've been hitting the head a lot. My point is <laughs> they, and, and, and this, this is where the whole, and this is when it gets crazy. Like you see all this, this is the moment where the episode decides to go to crazy town. 
because they say, look, we have a, we have some distinct disadvantages. We had a, a a gap in our defensive protocols that this guy was mm-hmm. able to exploit. We have patched mm-hmm. those up. We feel good about that. We don't know that we've hit everything because it's a big system, but we've at least patched mm-hmm. up the one that we know about. The biggest problem with this island is it's in one place, so let's do something about it. So they blow out the thing tethering the island this is a large, <laughs> this is Madagascar, I swear to God. This is a large island. And they, they blow out whatever's tethering it to the ocean floor. They put rocket thrusters and boosters. Now, where they got the spare parts and materials for this many rocket boosters. Oh, now you're worried? Is, now you're is, concerned? Is now you're magic, wondering? It's the magic of G.I. Joe. But they now <laughs> Go can. Go with the flow, for goodness <laughs> sakes. Yeah. They can now move the island wherever they want it to be. It's essentially a mobile battle station. G.I. Joe base island as if it couldn't get any cooler from where we started it at this episode. I do recall that was one of the, uh, for this particular episode, the coming up with the movability of the island was like the, the target for episode two. Gotcha. Uh, Cause once they, once we, we show that the bad guys, now know where the island is. What's stopping them? That's got to be a, yeah. So, uh, and I, I believe that from this episode on, the island was mobile and you know able to sort of go wherever it needed to go. And in other words, it wasn't an, it wasn't immediately trackable like it would have been had it remained like Madagascar. Okay. I do believe that's how this plays. But so yeah, the the end game of this episode was to get the island floaty, make it floaty. <laughs> that's it. where Lost got the idea from. Oh, there you Thank go. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. This no, episode inspired a lot. It inspired a lot. Good night, nurse. <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea. But I want to do a hat tip to Michael Edens, because here we are talking again in a circle and a circle and a circle. Uh, Michael Edens was uh, the the story editor on, on this chunk of uh, G.I. Joe, and he's the one who, who hired me to do this episode. So thank you, Michael Edens. And, and he was one of the big... Um, movers and shakers in good old X-Men and then on from X-Men on to uh, Exo Squad and then from Exo Squad on to um, uh, other things, including uh, this run on G.I. Joe. Love it. Love it. So thank you for making this happen. Uh, we appreciate all of that. Uh, real quick, we do have to mention the PSA. Uh, you didn't have any say in these oh, PSAs, right? No. <laughs> yeah, that's no, what that's what Buzzhead no. do. He said he had nothing to do with the the first yeah. episode. Nothing. Of the PSA. Yeah. These are just Man. word for word verbatim taken from other original Sunbow era PSAs. They just changed Wait, the this names. One, this second the episode really? one was too. Uh, yeah, it's, sure? it involves a. I feel pretty confident that I'd seen this one before and remember a kid falling out of a treehouse and oh, being caught. Oh, a, it was such a weird one. H- how many kids are building their own clubhouses and doing a shoddy job? It seemed like a very strange, <laughs> like, hey, look, eight-year-olds, the next time you're building your clubhouse, make sure you use you know a hammer and nails and blueprints as eight-year-olds and a plan. Do. yes yeah Listen, oh my god eight-year-olds building your treehouse first off make sure it's up to safety code yeah, uh, second so hire an inspector and third use union labor it was a strange <laughs> psa to get but i'm glad we got it <laughs> look i watched this and uh that's what i turned to improv I was like you know what i'm gonna listen to these gi joe guys i'm gonna do it without a plan 
goodness. The whole conceit of that with um, the 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 little huh, the 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 little fig leaf at the end of the episodes with uh, <laughs> in the way that you, you she you blowing stuff up, head injuries, you know, uh, grenades. It, uh, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> but hey, um, we'll we'll the more you know, we'll keep you safe. You know, it's, mm. what that. that we are now absolved uh, from everything we've just done. Okay. But that, again, tends to be the world of, at least in this case, uh, children's programming at that time. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. There you I, go. I, I just love the story of this episode because this was a uh, metalhead. This is the heavy metal, no shirt wearing guy with the long blonde hair. Because in the story of this PSA, metalhead was wandering a darkened forest where children frequent. <laughs> And just happened yeah. to be in a position close enough to catch a falling child, and they did not know he was there. So I oh. would argue, <laughs> don't go yeah. out into the woods alone should actually be the PSA that we learn here, but everything else is fine too. I don't understand how they couldn't have seen him with those lustrous locks. He does a <laughs> hair flip in the middle of this, and I was like, yes. what? Is, yes. is this a shampoo commercial? What is happening? <laughs> Also, oh use goodness. herbal essences. That was the other message of oh, the PSA. Herbal essence. I love that fragrance. Oh, my God. <laughs> that takes me back. My goodness. That's why the treehouse collapsed, because he built a oh. shower in there, and uh, <laughs> it was all messed up. Yeah. Oh, yep. my goodness. Yep. Well, that is the episode of Serious Legwork. Julia Lewald, thank you so much for joining us to shed some light on how this all came about. Uh, do you have any other uh, anything else you'd like to share? Any stories? Any things you want to plug? This is your time. Enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, well, you know, okay, this is G.I. Joe, but if you're asking, I'll tell you. Yes, um, ma'am. Uh, husband, er husband Eric and I, uh, I'm on Twitter way too much with X-Men TAS, which is for X-Men, the animated series. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm there on that. Uh, we have a Facebook page. We're trying to get our web page up. We've just been doing some renovations there and Instagram, but I'm on Twitter a lot. So yes. Yes. Oh, in, wow. In you have 12.9 thousand followers. Good for you. I have been campaigning for those followers for several years now. And mm. they've been, folks have been very kind and gracious and I we we try to be positive there. Uh, I know Twitter can be a cesspool, but uh, <laughs> what? TAS. outrageous. Yep, sorry, I had to say it. But uh, just you know, uh, fun fun things about X Men, fun things about uh, oh, the yes. old Pizza Hut promo back in 1993. Um, fun Hell things yes. you know, about pets wearing costumes. I mean, just stuff. But we're there, so please try and find us. We I'd love to get up to thirteen thousand because thirteen is my lucky number. Good one. As far as followers, there. Listen, if you listen um, to this show, you should just be following this Twitter account because it's the same thing. Yeah, it's I the mean, same I, vibe I, I literally the just board. I literally just followed it right now, and I can already tell you, well, I thank love you. it. So it's, it's oh, great! Thank very you. Very cool. <clears throat> and then just this uh, October 2020, as you know, who who knew what the world was going to be like? But uh, husband Eric and I, who was the showrunner on X Men the Animated Series, uh, we spent the last two years in advance that we have a new book out uh, called X Men. The Art and Making of the Animated Series. And this one comes from Marvel Disney. It's with their blessings uh, through Abrams Publishing. It is a coffee table book uh, that's got art that hasn't seen the light of days in in a couple of decades. Oh, we got to do my God. some spelunking. Yep. 
We did spelunking in the storage units of several artists who happened to have some things that we hadn't seen uh, and Marvel hadn't seen. So if you guys are out there and you're interested, please consider checking out X-Men, the art and making of the animated series, because it was it was labor of love to make it. And uh, the response has been very positive. So there's that. This has been in my Amazon uh, cart since December because it was on no! it was on a list of in in the LA Times of like a gift guide. Yes, and, and it was yes! and it was like that. And there was one on Batman the animated series, and I put both in my cart for me because like screw getting gifts for other people at December, <laughs> and because I I desperately want it, and I and I totally forgot it was in my cart. And when you said the title, I realized. I, I have I forgot to buy it, so I'm buying it right now. <laughs> well, and let me suggest too, right now on Amazon, crazy deal. I mean, it oh, it, it really it's fifty percent off. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. All right, I'm buying so, it right now, and I am putting please, it as please. one of my coffee table books. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd love to hear from you how you like it when you get it because oh, we've been getting, like I said, positive response. Yeah, so. I can oh. tell you now, I'm going to love it. Ever since I saw oh. it in that gift guide, I've wanted it. <laughs> That makes me so happy to hear. It has been a frustrating year just because uh, Eric and I only recently have started doing con- conventions and festivals and stuff. And that's been so wonderful. You know, as a writer, you, we're not voice talent. We're not artists. But being able to go to these things now uh, because of the um, X-Men interest. And then with the new book coming out, we were so excited. Uh-huh. And yeah. the world was shut down yeah. and continues to be shut down. And even though we are vaccinated, I'm not in a rush for the rest of the world uh, to callously open up unless everyone's vaccinated. So I don't know when the next time is going to be that we get the chance to, to go visit with folks at cons and fests. Well, but I look forward to that day. I am very excited because I just ordered it and it, it arrives uh, Thursday, April 29th. And my birthday <laughs> is Friday, April 30th. So get birthday out. present for me. Get <laughs> out. Oh my goodness. Oh my. Well, Hey, Hey, that's that's very special. It makes me feel very happy. <laughs> well, everybody, thank you so much. We, uh, 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 Julia, again, th- thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part of all this. It was such a joy to have you here on the show. Uh, and talking oh, well, thank about thank you so much. And and how about timing wise? The one episode of GI Joe you ever wrote, we got you here <laughs> yep. for it. That's yep. That's skill right there, or the dumbest I'm- luck physically possible. I'll, I'll, either way, as they say, rather be lucky uh, than good. So we'll take oh. it as we'll take whatever it takes to make it I'll happen. I'll never That's be good, good, so I'll <laughs> settle for lucky. That's absolutely <laughs> the case. Uh, well, we got a, a few things to let you guys know about. If you want to join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash knowing is half the podcast is our page there. You can also go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash knowing is half the podcast. You can get uh, for five dollars, you can get it access to our super secret vault which has over like 500 episodes of this show talking about every cartoon every episode of gi joe all the know your joes the find your fate books the live theme song throwdown early rounds it's all on there so feel joy let's be a part of it patreon.com slash knowing us at the podcast otherwise you could check us out on twitter at gi joe podcast or individually i am at almighty ray at 999 rpms i'm at gina ippy and for real, follow at X-Men TAS, X-Men the Animated Series. Again, if you're oh, following you. us, you're going to want to follow that. It's we're, it, <laughs> we're all the same joy. We're all the same energy. 
uh, although she's way more successful about it than we are, <laughs> but that's okay. That's perfectly okay. If you're not doing it, it's a public service. You need to let's get her to 13 K because that's where it needs to be. All right. You've heard it out there, everybody. Uh, Julia, any last words, any, any pieces of advice for the people at home uh, to take us out? <laughs> uh uh bill and ted's excellent adventure uh be excellent to each other uh let's be kind uh please folks uh yeah be kind i i i don't know how long anyone else has been trying to scratch away in in this industry or in this town or this community uh been doing it for a few years now let's just be nice to each other you know that's yeah let's just do that that's yeah be nice Hooray. Good. I have nothing to add to that. Good advice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, every. Hey, you. No, 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 no. Don't look over here. Keep your eyes on the road. Got something for you. Take a listen to this. In the newest Pokemon, they have Score Bunny, which is a starter. What? Yes. Score Score Bunny? So it's, it's a fire bunny that plays soccer. He kicks balls. He scores. Great. Score, like Scorch, I think. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Like goal. Like score. <laughs> Rad. There's score bunny who uses his mad soccer skills to steal, I think like donuts or something like that. How does he use it, his soccer skills to steal donuts? He kicks it. Oh, yummy. The best part is though, score bunny wants to go and follow Ash and go on big adventures. But oh my Ash God, is like, Ash is still the main character of the f- anime? Yes. Where have you been? Yeah, so Ash is like, I'm getting on the train. I'm leaving, Score Bunny. And Score Bunny's is it like, he's 80 years old. That's why he sounds like that. <laughs> Nothing makes donuts taste better than a foot coming in contact with them. <laughs> if you like what you heard and love co-op with your friends, check out Gaming Together, a cooperative podcast. That's Gaming Together, a cooperative podcast. Buddy. Situation critical. Roll call. Are a million to one. And that's the way we like it!